epic, man. Come on, somebody. If that doesn't put the fear of God in you, I don't know what, you know, you're not even awake yet. Hey, uh, welcome to Freedom House Church. Uh, my name is Troy Maxwell. My wife and I are the senior pastors here. I want to give it up for your campus pastors, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Stephanie. Stand up, guys. They're always here to take you to lunch, whatever you need. They're great people, great people. Um, also want to welcome all of our live streamers. We got, man, we got people from all over the world. I mean, we have people from Louisiana. I mean, come on. Michigan, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida. We're praying for you guys in Florida. Man, I know you were hit hard. Virginia, Georgia, Tennessee. My mom texted me just a few minutes ago, said the message was really good, so y'all better pay attention. When mom says to listen, you better listen. Just telling you, Granny Maggie. So um, we are one church, multiple locations. We are, our goal, our vision for being multi-site it's not just to be a big church, but we want to be the local church in every local community. And so we have a, a church up in Lake Norman. We have one in the South, south End area downtown. Uh, we're looking for the South Park area, Fort Mill, um, Ballantyne. We're, we're moving all over the place. And so just be ready. And no video at any of those venues. So we have live communicators at every one of those churches. And so if you got friends, neighbors, enemies, people that you don't like, send them to church, man. You might like them after they get saved. And so people tell me that all the time, that they like me better now that I'm a Christian. So we're starting a brand new series this entire month of October called Seven. And we're speaking out of the book of Revelation because we really feel like that people are asking a lot of questions, especially with what's happening not only in America, but also around the world with the end times. It's called eschatology, the study of the end times. And so we're gonna, th we're gonna talk specifically over these next five weeks here at Central, we're gonna be talking about five different churches from Revelation 2 and 3. We wanna do our best to make sure you can see the other two churches, so we'll make sure those get on YouTube so you can see all seven churches. You know, people are asking questions like crazy. Is Jesus coming back? When is he gonna come back? Come back? Uh, are we in the middle of tribulation right now? You know, is this the pre-trib, the post-trib, the mid-trib, the half-trib, the, you know, the forecast-trib, whatever? Uh, the good thing that, I, that I'm grateful of is that, first of all, we don't know. Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. Not even Jesus, Jesus doesn't even know. Only the Father knows when his son's gonna come back. However, I'm thankful that God is patient, aren't you? Because, I mean, if it were me, I would have just ended this thing a long time ago, right? Just got, you know, just let's go to heaven. But God knows that there are people in your life, my life, that need Christ, that need Jesus, and he's patient before he just folds this whole thing up. And so. Maybe you'll learn some stuff. I have a good friend of mine that's coming in a couple weeks. He's gonna speak on specifically the Antichrist. So make sure you're here. Uh, so I wanna start reading out of Revelation chapter one. We like the Bible here at Freedom House Church. So bring one, read one, you know, get tattooed by one. I don't know, whatever. Revelation chapter one, beginning in verse 17. Understand that the book of Revelation is not necessarily a timeline. So it's very difficult, and this is with the whole Bible. A lot of people read the Bible and they go, they start in Genesis thinking that it's like a book that we would normally read. No, it's not necessarily like that. It's kind of pictures and 
time periods that are kind of put together. And that's the same thing with the book of Revelation, which I'll give you some explanation on it. But it's written by, by, by a guy by the name of, of John. He was one of the disciples. And he was exiled to the island of Patmos because they could not kill this guy. Like they kept trying to kill him. They put him in a, a, a vat of boiling oil. He just would not die. And so they said, well, we can't kill you. So we'll just exile you. He goes to the Isle of Patmos. Jesus shows up to him and gives us an incredible revelation. That's why it's called the book of Revelation. It's really the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so look at verse 17, beginning in chapter one. And when I saw him, this is John talking about Jesus. I fell at his feet. And by the way, if Jesus shows up, you're gonna fall at your feet too. As dead, and he laid his hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I don't know how you could not be afraid, but he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Everybody should say amen right there. Amen. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is alive, that he sits at the right hand of God? Can we just give God a big hand clap right now for that? He says, and I, and I have the keys of hell, Hades, and of death. He said, write the, the things which you have seen, the things which you are, and the things which will take place after this. This is verse 20. I want you to see this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Now, this, what I'm gonna talk about today is I'm gonna talk actually about the, the last church that Jesus wrote to, the church of Laodicea. But let's just talk about these seven churches for a second and understand how to interpret this. There's basically three ways that you can interpret these seven churches that Jesus writes, writes to. First of all, and he writes to churches in different cities. Now, the first is to understand it's not a metaphor. In other words, these are specific churches that God had placed in specific cities. And this is what God does. He, he calls certain churches in certain regions and certain cities to have influence. And so this is, these are real churches with real people. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was speaking these things to these churches, he was speaking to a real church in Ephesus, a real church in Sardis, a real church in Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania, but Philadelphia, a real church in Laodicea. These are real people, real churches, real issues in a real time. Secondly, the way to understand this or to, to see this kind of folded together is dispensationally. Now, in the Bible, one of the ways that God um, kind of views things is in cycles of seven. Everybody say seven. Seven. It's very important to see this because seven is the number of perfection, the number of completion. And so seven is how he sees things. So whenever you see God move, it's usually gonna be in a cycle of seven. Joseph uh, had a dream. There were gonna be seven years of, of great harvest and then seven years of famine. When it comes to the law, after seven years, debts would be released. The year of Jubilee is seven sets of seven years, and there's complete freedom. God works in the realm of seven. So dispensationally, this is for all the theologians out there, when you look at this, these seven churches represent seven periods of the church. And by the way, we are in the last letter. We are 
the church of Laodicea. So dispensationally, we're close, guys, really close. If you look at it from the standpoint of years, a lot of people believe we are in the 7,000th year of this whole entire earth thing. I know a lot of people think we're millions of years old. No, we're about a 7,000 years old. And it's, who knows, could be tomorrow. Make sure you get right before God today, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, he's probably talking to you right now. Anyway, third is personally, personally. You can look at these letters and look at it from a personal standpoint. Now, when it comes to the church, we are, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't reside in buildings, he resides in people. So now we are the carriers of the presence of God. Jesus is the head, we are the body. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you look at the seven letters, this is what's interesting specifically why I picked the church of Laodicea is because this is, this is a very pastoral letter. So today, by the way, this is gonna be a very pastoral message. Um, all the other letters have something positive <laughs> that Jesus says about the churches, except this one. The church of Laodicea, there's nothing positive. Matter of fact, most of it is a warning. I believe that this is the warning label for the church, this particular letter. Let's, let's read it together. Let's look at it. Revelation chapter three, beginning in verse 14. Let's look at this letter that Jesus wrote to the church of Laodicea. He says in verse 14, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, remember, remember John is writing this out as Jesus is dictating this out. These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Ugh, that's just nasty. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. I do not, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. This is, this is you know, not, not positive. <laughs> Verse 18, I counsel you, this is Jesus talking, I counsel you to buy gold from me, gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that, you, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Very important verse. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Verse 22 he who has ears, who ha, he who has an ear to, to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I think this is a warning label. How many of y'all read warning labels? You read warning labels. A couple of you do. Um, I got these from uh, Pastor Stephanie. We're trying to get her to quit. And so if you catch her outside over here, you know, with the deacons, you know, just make sure you tell her to come back in the church. <laughs> My wife and I, we, we, I don't smoke. My wife doesn't smoke. I've never smoked. And people ask me all the time, well, if I smoke, will I go to hell? And the answer is no, you won't go to hell. You just smell like hell. 
Um, no offense. <laughs> but I'm always amazed at why people do things when there's a warning label right on the outside that says, if you do this, you'll die. I don't understand it. So my wife just went on a, a, a my, me and my wife just went on a little vacation for two weeks. Thank you so much for your 30-year anniversary well wishes. We had a great time. It was awesome. But in Europe, everybody smokes. Every, and we're like blown away. Like you're gonna die way before me. I can't understand why people don't read warning labels and they don't heed them. Now, with that being said, this letter to the church is a warning label for the church. Now, what I love about God is that he never gives up on us. Can I say amen? Can you, can you say amen? I mean, I, I'm thankful that God didn't give up on me. Come on, how many of y'all should be in jail? Raise your hand if you should be in jail. A couple of you went like this. Now, I'm not talking about go to jail right now. I know y'all are sitting in the back right now because you got a poster of you up somewhere. But come on, how many of y'all should have been in jail? Raise your hand if you should have been in jail. Stephanie should have been in jail, see? Hey, let me give you these back. There you go. <laughs> I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful that he hasn't given up on us. He hasn't given up on me. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on his church, which is the hope of the world. Amen. Especially in America. Come on. So this is a warning label. Now, this letter is the most direct and harsh letter of all the seven letters because it's a rebuke. Now, we don't like rebukes, especially, especially us, because... The reason why we don't like a rebuke is because we don't like to take responsibility for what we've done. In our life, especially in our country, we like to blame shift. We like to put the responsibility on everybody else. Like, well, you know, I didn't get that job because. Well, I, I didn't get that house because. And we, we, we put labels on all of it because of the color of my skin or because of my parents or because of the, the neighborhood that I grew up in or because... I have this. Now, let me, just, let me just challenge you. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor Troy. I'm trying to help you today because the longer that you blame, the longer you'll stay a victim. And the longer you blame, you are removing the control and power out of your life. Here's what I know. The Bible is no respecter of persons. In other words, this book works for everybody. God doesn't pick specific people that he blesses a specific way. If you believe this book, then God will bless you, prosper you, help you, deliver you, but he will also rebuke you. Why? Because he loves you. He cares for you. So what's the warning? I'm just gonna let the cat out of the bag. We'll talk about the end first and then work our way into this. Here's the warning. The warning of the letter, seventh letter to the church, to you and me today, is watch out when the values of your life start to reflect the values of the world. Let me say it again. Watch out when the values of your life start to reflect the values of the world. Be careful when you look more like the world than you look like Jesus. And this is relevant for us in America right now. Now, what's the answer? The answer is at the end of the letter. And Jesus says this 
in every one of his seven letters. He ends with the same exact phrase. Listen, church, whenever God repeats himself over and over, pay attention to it. Pay attention. What does he say over and over? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. He who has an ear, let him, he, let him, he, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. In other words, listen up. See, what God is saying, what Jesus is saying is, I'm telling you to listen because a lot of people aren't listening to what I have to say. And so make sure that your ear is connected way more to God than anything else, especially right now. Right now, we need to listen to God more than anything, more than the news, more than the government, more than Instagram, more than Twitter, more than Elon Musk. Who cares? God is the one who has the answers. So you gotta listen. Now, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter four, for the time will come, this is, he's prophesying, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't listen. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables or fortune telling or whatever you wanna call it. So how do I make sure that I'm in tune with the Spirit. Let me just give you just a couple real quick hints on how to do it. Read the Bible every day. Read the Bible every day. Every day, read the Bible. Did I say read the Bible? Every day. Every day. You say, well, I don't understand it. Just keep reading it. Just keep reading it. Because often, the scriptures have to work their way through your distracted flesh in order to awaken your God-loving spirit. Sometimes it takes that. It takes a while. And so people wanna hear the voice of God and the best way to hear the voice of God is the scriptures. I can't tell you, I've been, I've been a Christian for over 30 years. It is more important right now to read your Bible than to do anything else. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't other ways to hear the voice of God, but I can promise you, if you really wanna connect with God in the best way, read the scriptures every single day, every day. Our time in worship, very important. Our time in prayer will help you hear. Our time in quiet will help you hear. That means turn the phone off. Some of us are so conditioned to our phones that we can feel the vibration 30 feet away. That's me. That's got to be me. That's my, is that my phone? That's my phone. I felt the buzz, right? Even though it's on silent, we still feel the buzz. Some of you felt the buzz just then. As soon as I did, it was like a ghost buzz. You felt it because I mentioned it buzzing. No, put the phone on the other side of that. Put it in your car and go in the house and get quiet. It's going to be hard, really hard. You're gonna sit there and it's gonna feel like six hours and it's been 30 seconds. <laughs> I promise you, it's hard to be quiet. Come on. But you gotta be there. Our time in fasting. Fasting helps you here. So that's the answer. Now let's talk about the problem. And we find the problem right at the very beginning of the introduction of Jesus to the church of the Laodiceans. Every church has an introduction, every of the seven churches. And the way it starts is 
to the angel of the church. And then it says, in Ephesus, in Sardis, in Philadelphia. But notice what it says to Laodicea, to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. I never saw this until I studied this just recently. Never saw it. Every other one says in, this one says of. Why? Why did he not talk specifically to the church in? The word Laodicea is two Greek words. The first, Leo, means people or laity. The second, Dicea, means ruled or controlled. In other words, what Jesus is pointing out right from the very beginning is this is to the angel of the church of, that's ruled by people, not God. He's pointing the problem out right from the very beginning, that you guys got a problem. What is that problem? You're lukewarm. Now let's dive into this and let's understand what it means to be lukewarm. I'm sure if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, read the Bible, you've probably heard that frame. This is the issue. He says, I know your works. I know your fruit. I know what you're doing. You're neither cold, you're hot, nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, the Laodiceans know exactly what Jesus was talking about because he was talking about a physical problem and turning it into a spiritual issue. See, the Laodiceans had a problem with water. They really had a real problem with water. And just north of them was this city uh, called Heropolis. And Heropolis was known for its hot water. Like they had these these steam baths and just this natural phenomenon. And Roman citizens would come from all over the region to go just sit in those tubs. They were full of minerals. They were hot, 120, 130 degrees. They loved it. And Laodicea, because it was so rich and so wealthy, they said, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna build some aqueducts so that we can take the water that's up there and get it into our city. We want that hot water. But you know the problem is if you take something that's hot and you put it through a tube for a long period of time, a few miles, by the time it gets there, what happens? It gets warm. And so Jesus is saying, look, you got a physical problem, but it's manifesting itself out in a spiritual issue. You're lukewarm. What does it mean to be lukewarm? It means to be indifferent. See, Jesus wants water, a life, or a church that will quench the thirst. I don't know if you've ever drink, drank uh, lukewarm water. It's nasty. And Jesus says it's so nasty. And by the way, imagine what it smelled like. So not only was it lukewarm, but those minerals were no longer hot. Now they would cool down. Oh, my gosh. That's why he says, I'm going to throw it up. There's nothing worse than throw up. <laughs> like it has a distinct smell. Like when my kids threw up, I was like, I'm not cleaning that up. I'm gonna wait till you get well and then you can clean it up. So you just spray it with air freshener until, you know, put a bag over it. Isn't that nasty? Well, imagine, imagine God calling you vomit. So you, you're, you're already thinking about it. You're like, oh my gosh, that's just nasty. Yes, exactly. It is nasty. And that's what being lukewarm is to God. So how do we distinguish between a cold church, a hot church, 
or a lukewarm church, or a cold life, a hot life, or a lukewarm life. Well, let me tell you what a cold church looks like. A, a cold church is a church that's given itself over to formality. They go through the motions, but there's no life, there's no passion, there's no spirit, there's no energy, there's no community. You come in and you go. You, 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 everything looks good, but there's nothing to it. It's empty, it's lifeless, it's spiritless. If you traveled anywhere outside of the United States and you've been in these old churches from like the 15, 16, 1700s, you walk in and they are beautiful, but empty. They might have 10 people on a weekend. They're completely empty of the spirit of God. They're full of religion and formality and methodology, but they have no spirit of God. What's a hot church? A hot church is a church that's full of life, full of passion for a risen Savior. Desires to speak the truth and lives by doctrine and full of the Holy Spirit, full of the presence of God, full of life, full of energy. People are excited. They want to stay long and come early, man. They get it fired up. Come on, I want Freedom House to always be a hot church. How about you? Amen? It's vibrant. It's relational. It's affecting the community, and the community is involved in it. If it disappeared, the community would miss it. That's, that's a hot church. So Jesus says, and I wish you were cold. I wish you were hot, but you're lukewarm. You're in the middle. You're indifferent. A church, a lukewarm church is one that sits right in the middle. It's neutral. It's not hot or cold. It's not fully surrendered to God, and it hadn't completely rejected Jesus either. Jesus can deal with the two extremes, but he can't deal with the middle. It's gross to him and distasteful. A lukewarm church never talks about sin. A lukewarm church is about tolerance, not repentance. And this is what's happening in America right now. You know, we, do, we don't, we don't want to make them mad. Don't, don't say anything ugly. Don't quote scripture at them because, you know, they're just struggling with their identity. And if they don't like you, they might not like Jesus. So let's make sure that they like Jesus. So let's just be nice to them and just make sure they feel comfortable wherever they go. And when they come to your church, just don't say anything that's going to offend them. Just talk about breakthrough all the time. Don't talk about repentance. No, no, we don't want to talk about changing lives. No changing lives. Shh, don't say that. That's the lukewarm church, man. No, that, a lukewarm church is seeking to please people and not God. It's, 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 it's afraid. It has the fear of man, but not the fear of God. It lives in the middle. It's on cruise control. Look, cruise, I love cruise control. It's safe. Look, I came, I came today early to the church. There was a policeman sitting right in our parking lot. I don't know if you saw him. I came over that hill. I was getting it a little bit. I'd be honest. I was a little late. It would have been terrible if the pastor would have got pulled over in front of his church. I thought about that. Like, you know, get pulled over. That'd be terrible. 
hey, who's that getting pulled over? Oh, that's the pastor of the church. That would have been horrible, man. I love cruise, cruise control keep you out of trouble. Right? My car not only has cruise control, it has that little button you can push in the steering wheel. It'll keep you right in the middle of the road. I love that. It's not dangerous. It's just, it's just safe. That's what a lukewarm church is. Safe. Second Timothy 3, 5, it says, having a form of godliness, but, but denying its power. See, a lukewarm church creates weak and worldly followers. Just like a lukewarm life is weak and worldly. A lukewarm church doesn't engage the enemy at all. Just walks right alongside him. A lukewarm church looks for biblical loopholes. Doesn't believe in the scriptures. Let me say it this way. In a lukewarm church, Jesus is the mascot, but he's not the master. That's a lukewarm church. I mean, think about how Jesus describes himself to the Laodiceans. He calls himself the amen, the so be it, the steadfast one. He calls himself the true and, and the true witness, the faithful witness, the loyal and honest witness. He calls himself the beginning of creation. Okay, so how do you become lukewarm? Well, Jesus answers the question for us. Let's make sure that we don't fall into this lukewarmness. He says, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Listen to me very, very carefully. Write this down. This is the warning label. Come on. Read the warning label. He who has ears, let him hear. Here's what he's saying. First of all, You'll become lukewarm when you become self-sufficient. He said, they said, I am rich. See, there is a definite connection between physical wealth and spiritual poverty. Definite connection. That's why Jesus talked more about money than he talked about anything. And listen, there's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with having money. Just make sure money don't have you. Nothing wrong with having a nice house. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car. There's nothing wrong with having a big checking account. As long as you're using that money as a tool to reach people for Jesus, it will never control you. But the moment that you feel like I'm self-sufficient, and that's what the Laodiceans were doing. They were so rich, they built a 30,000 seat auditorium for themselves. Just to have their own game, just to do whatever they wanted to do. They said, we are rich. We don't need you, Jesus. We have our own. We got money. It'll take care of us. Money had become their God. You will become lukewarm when you are self-sufficient. Secondly, when you are self-conceited. He said, they said, I am rich. Secondly, they said, we have need of nothing. We don't need anything. See, when you don't need anything, a savior becomes irrelevant. When you get what you want, be careful that Jesus is no longer needed. You're single, I need a husband, I need a husband, I need a husband. You get one, you step one little step away from God. I see it all the time with guys and girls. They're on fire for God. Lord, I mean, they're on their knees. Lord, bring me a man, bring me a woman. I need a woman. And then they get them and they stop coming to church. Well, you know, we wanted to go to the week. We don't go here. And then, then they, they get married, one step, and then they, they have a family. They have kids, little bambinos. <laughs> and then, then kids take precedent over Jesus. I'm not saying that it doesn't always happen, but, it, you know, well, you know, soccer, 
Sunday. Baseball, Sunday. So it becomes just a little, just little steps, little steps. And then you get the dream house. We love the house. And then you get a boat. And then you go to Lake Norman and Lake Wiley and, you know, wherever you go. And then, and then the next, you get your second home. And then we don't ever see you again until there's a problem. And then they run back. This is what I love about God. He always takes us back, doesn't he? Always does. But that's not a reason to run away. Self-conceited. And then, and then the last, the probably the most uh, dangerous one is self-deceived. The Laodiceans said, Jesus told him, you don't even know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You don't even recognize that you can't see. You don't even recognize that you don't have any clothes on. That's bad, by the way. You don't even recognize that you're distressed. You have created a normal, and you're so used to living this way, Jesus has become irrelevant to your life because you're self-deceived. There's a story in the Bible that every time I read it, it scares me a little bit. It's the story of Samson. Samson, you know, he's dedicated by his parents as a Nazarite. He has this incredible commitment to follow God, and as a result, he doesn't cut his hair. Now, understand that not cutting his hair is just a part of the commitment. The idea is the commitment to God. Are you following me? The hair thing is just, you know, that's just part of it. The, 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 the emphasis of it is the fact that he made this commitment to God. So he meets this girl named Delilah. Delilah is not just about sex. It's about anything that can pull you away from your commitment to God. And so Delilah pressures him and pressures him. Says, give me your secret. Give me your secret. Give me your secret. And he gives him her, his secret, cuts his hair. They come in to attack him. He stands up just like he always did. And the Bible says, scary verse in Judges 16, 20, and he himself did not know that the Lord had departed from him. That's the epitome of deception, that God had departed. See, it's so easy to get caught up with our flesh, we lose sight of our souls. So what does Jesus say? Jesus says, I got the answer. Look, I got the answer. Here's how you fix it. Here's how you fix lukewarmness. Buy from me gold refined in the fire. Buy from me garments that are white. Buy from me eye salve. I will help you deal with each one of these things, but it requires you giving up something that you value for something that's more valuable. See, that's what purchases are. Purchases are, you go to the store, you take your money, you give it to them, they give you something in return. Jesus is saying, you've gotta give me something You've got to give up something in order to gain something. So if you want to get out of being self-sufficient, if you want to get out of being self-conceited, if you want to get out of being self-deceived, you've got to transact with heaven by giving up something. Buy from me. And so Jesus, out of his grace, this is the, this is the, 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 the highlight of the letter. He said, this is why I stand at a door and knock. That's why I'm standing here. This is Jesus talking, by the way. I stand at the door and knock. 
And notice, notice what it says. Notice what it says. It says, behold, if anyone hears my voice. See, hold on a second. I thought I was supposed to hear the knock. I don't go to a door because I hear somebody's voice. I go to a door because I heard the doorbell, right? Amazon delivery. Come on, somebody. It's the best thing. It's like Christmas every day. But that's not what Jesus says. The, the point isn't the knock. The point is, can you hear his voice? This guy named Holman in the mid-1800s painted a picture that you may have seen. It's called the, the, the title of the picture is called The Light of the World. I think we have a picture of it up here that you can see. And it's, it's a picture of this verse right here. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and answers, basically repents, then I'll come in and dine with him. They criticized Holman when he painted this picture a lot. They criticized him a whole lot because they said, Holman, you forgot something very important on this picture. There's something missing on this picture. He's like, what is missing? He says, the doorknob on the outside of the door. And Holman said, I did that on purpose. He said, well, why did you do it on purpose? It's because the doorknob is on the inside of the door, not the outside of the door. Because grace is always welcomed by God. Grace is always invited by God, by us. Grace, grace will never kick the door down. Grace is waiting to be invited. Jesus will never kick your heart in. He's just waiting for you to invite him in. So I wanna to close today with this thought. And I just want you to think about this. I, I have been, um, you know, I've been a Christian now for almost 30, let's see, 1990, 32 years. There's been two times in my life where I got lukewarm. I was thinking about it in between the services because I mentioned it in the last service, but I wanted to dial it in to like when it happened. And the first time it happened to me was I'd probably been a Christian for about three years. And I just started working in this new job and I got so focused on my career that I started skipping church. I stopped tithing. It was the only time in my whole entire Christian life that I didn't tithe. And it wasn't because I didn't want to, it's just because this other thing took the place of Jesus's relevance in my life, my career. The other time was ministry related. I got so focused on a problem that I was having that I hit cruise control in the church. And it's easy to do. Look, here's the warning from Jesus. The longer you're a Christian, the easier it is to become lukewarm. The longer you're saved, the easier it is. You have to really work hard to stay on fire. You gotta put yourself in positions and environments and places to make sure you stay on fire for God or else, or else the enemy has a plan for you. And so let me ask you today, even those you guys that are watching online, are there any areas in your life that are lukewarm? Because if you listen real closely, you can hear the voice of God through the door of your heart. And his desire is that you give up that possession 
for him. So if you're here today with every eye open and every head up and everybody looking around, if you would be honest with God and say, yes, there are some areas in my life that I am lukewarm. One area in my life that I am lukewarm and I'm ready to repent. That's what it takes. It takes repentance. If that's you, I just want you right now just to stand up on your feet. Just stand up right where you are. Awesome. 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 Just close your eyes. Maybe lift your hands up. And we're just going to sing this chorus. The worship team's going to lead us in this chorus. And we're making a declaration today to you, Father, that we're running back to you. Go ahead and sing it out, Rob. Sing it out. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. Come on, get real My with God today. My soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father. Come on, sing that again. I run to you today, Father. I run to the Father. Come on behalf of pastors and leaders around this country, and I ask you to forgive us for being lukewarm in our church leadership. So, Father, I stand in, in proxy for every pastor who has maybe taken a step back during this season where we needed to fight. God, that maybe has taken a step back when it comes to repentance and sin and 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 have stepped into the fear of man instead of the fear of God. And Father, we open the door to a fiery, hot relationship, truth-sharing, passion for a Savior who loves this world, God, who wants, who died for us. And so, Father, I ask you to pour out your Spirit right here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Pour out your Spirit 
on this church. God, we wanna be hot for you. We wanna be on fire for you. We want a passion, God, a truth that never changes, God. We want revival in our city. We want revival in our schools. We want revival in our workplace. We want revival in our streets, God. We want revival in our hearts, God. Revival in our families. Revival in our kids, God. In the name of Jesus, we repent today. We love you, God. We wanna be hot, we wanna be hot. We wanna be hot for you. Hot for you, God. Come on, every hand lifted. Just say this out loud, say it with just, just a declaration in your heart. Say, in the name of Jesus, today I get rid of every bit of lukewarmness in my life. Today, Jesus, I buy gold from you. I buy garments from you. I buy eye salve from you. I can see I am no longer poor. I am clothed and I am on fire for you, Jesus. I will follow you. I will serve you in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. Come on, just, just speak to him just however you want to talk to him. Just confess whatever sin it is. God's, God's breaking addictions off of people right now. God's delivering somebody from pornography right now. God's delivering somebody from, from just money, ruling their life. God's delivering somebody from a past hurt and relationship. God's freeing you to walk in the destiny and the purpose that God has for your life. Just receive it right now. Just receive it. Just receive it right now. Let the Spirit of God come. Baptize each one of our campuses, God. Baptize our church. Baptize our leaders. Baptize our volunteers. Baptize our church with fire in the name of Jesus. 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 In the name of Jesus of Jesus hallelujah 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 come on Jesus come on Jesus hallelujah 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 One more time, let's sing that out. I run to the Father. Can we just sing it loud, sing it strong? We love you, Jesus. Come on. Lift your voice. I run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a searching, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh. I'll be honest with you, I don't want to leave this moment. I, don't, I just don't want, I don't want to rush this. It's all right, we'll just take just another 30 seconds and just allow the presence of God to free you. Let our hearts be clean today. Father, give us a new heart, a heart of flesh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. amazing when you repent how the presence of God shows up isn't it I mean when you just get your heart right before God Father we repent of being busy just busy God help us to quiet ourselves down a little bit God we want to hear your voice even clearer in Jesus name in Jesus name Everybody said, amen, amen, amen.